welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Let's just pray for you. Lord, we thank you that you do speak to us in many ways. And uh, Lord, we thank you that your spirit um, is ever present with us. And uh, we pray this morning, Lord, that through your spirit, you will speak strongly into our hearts, that we might know um, your will, we might understand more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me, let me pray first. Oh, Lord, come, help me. <laughs> help us, Lord, this morning to hear your word, to know your voice, to understand your mercy and your kindness, Lord. Lord, may, our, may your word refresh our hearts and <coughs> renew our minds and just have a new vision of who you are as a wonderful, loving Father, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I asked to, to do this talk some months ago, I think, um, and I kind of had an idea in my head and then I had a different idea in my head earlier this week, and then I've changed it still further um, this morning, last night. So I have no idea where we're going to go, but we're going to look at the Word of God anyway. But I want to look at um, Joshua 7 and the sin of Achan. Uh, as you know, I always try to give some context and some up, uh, bring anyone who's not been following the story, bring you up to date with where we've got to. So let me try and briefly do that. So the, uh, the first of all, we start again in Genesis. Um, Adam and Eve have sinned, and sin has come into the world. And we then see um, the, the people of Israel in Joshua or in Exodus, they have left Egypt. They have had the Passover promise, the covenant, which I'll come on to in, again in a, a little bit longer. Uh, and that, is, that was that they would be taken from their captivity, their sin in Egypt. Uh, they would go through to, to have a, a new place, the promised land. And Joshua is about uh, the people going across the River Jordan and into the Promised Land. We saw uh, a few weeks ago um, how the people of God, with God's entire help, they had a great victory at Jericho. They consecrated themselves to God. They listened to God and they obeyed him to the letter and they saw a, a great victory. They saw the walls of Jericho come down with the blast of the trumpet and the shout of, of praise to God and they took uh, Jericho. And that was a, a victory that was achieved not by their strength but by the the work of god the 
spiritual warfare of God. They were just obedient to take the land at that time. So, that's where we, that's where we start. But after Jericho, uh, they, they come to a, a point where they, uh, they are going to attack Ai, A-I-I. And they have a terrible loss. They are soundly beaten. And I will read the passage in a minute. But they are soundly beaten. Uh, and so th- there are two reasons. And, and I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to do both reasons. I really don't. But I'm certainly going to try and do the, the first one. And that is Achan's sin and how that affects uh, him and his warfare. Or the warfare of the whole nation. And the other is the presumption of Joshua's leadership. Uh, I may not be able to do that in time, but anyway. Um, let me just go, go back on one thing, and th- there's a passage, we, or there's a word that we will read through, and that is the word covenant. And I want to just explain what that is in a sort of theological terms, because God has made a covenant with the people of Israel in the, the uh, Passover. Uh, the, the blood on the on the door, uh, and a, a covenant is not that we negotiate with with God. We can't say, "Look, I tell you what, God, I'll do this and you do that." That is not the way the covenants work. It is that we, if you like, are a defeated uh, enemy, and He says, "Here is the treaty that I have for you." In the uh, First World War, the Allies defeated Germany. And uh, there was a a treaty that was made with Germany that Germany would pay uh, what's called war reparations. They would pay for the things that they had done to damage other countries. And it put them into such a bad spot that Hitler rose up and we eventually had the Holocaust and we had the Second World War. God looks at this treaty in a different way. He looks at it with mercy and kindness and justice. And he wants us to be free. He wants us to have a new identity. And he wants to give us hope. That's what I talked about last week. That is always what he is looking for. To bring us freedom. To bring us a new identity that we are children of God. And to bring us hope that we have eternal life. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's read the chapter. This is where I struggle with my, my glasses as usual. It's quite a long passage, so just bear with me. I hope it's up there. But... Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Because remember, God had said to them, uh, attack uh, Jerusalem when you shout, the walls will come down. But don't take, sorry, Jericho, but do not take any of the, the plunder. He'd made it very clear. Do not take anything there. It is all to be sacred to God. It all to go to God 
um, uh, after that. Uh, a man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, a son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. That's the, the primary true, uh, tribe. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth Avon. Then he returned and they told Joshua, there's no need for us all to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 people to attack Ai, since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle up to go there. First of all, Ai means city of ruins. So it's like, it seems like an open door for them to do it. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Now this is, a, this is almost exactly like the story of the, the Israelites when they'd come out of Egypt into the desert that they whined and complained. And ironically, Joshua was one of only two who said, no, we can actually take the promised land. And now he's repeating what the people said back in the desert. Do, 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 do. I lost it now. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. I, I, I hear a kind of impatient tone in the way he says this. Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that you were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For that is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. In the morning you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point out the tribe by which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will then come forward 
and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family will come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire along with everything he has. For he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord and the tribe of of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward and the family of Zimrah was singled out. Every member of Zimrah's family was brought forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder I saw beautiful robe from, from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent and with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some men to make a search and they ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and they brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. And then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons and daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achar. Then Joshua said to Achan, Why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will not bring uh, the Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Well, that sobered you all up, hasn't it? Um, It is a sobering passage. Uh, And we we have to understand what is is behind all of this. Uh, Achan... He had been given clear instructions. He was a, a soldier in the army. And he was told, you know, you go in there, but you don't take the things that are set about, apart for God. You see, when they came over the, the, uh, the River Jordan, as we remember, I think uh, Neil spoke about it, they were consecrated. So let's look at what that means. Uh, it, it's, it, means it's an, it's a, it means an atonement. It means that they were able to become one with God. It means that they could have that relationship, that they were free from their sin by ritual. Um, 
Let me just uh, explain these things. Um, I stand here. You can't see it, but it's because of the lights. But I stand here, and because of the, the light from the window, my shadow is here. You can see it on the ground. Now, if it were bright, if it were more contrast, you would see perhaps the shape of my face, my slightly nose, and you would say, "Ah, oh, yes, that looks like David's shadow." Sort of slight pot belly as well. Definitely David. But it's just a shadow. What you can actually see is the reality too. You can see me. You can see the color of my hair, my color of my skin, my hands, how they move. But on the ground, there's just a shadow. When we see things like the Passover, that is a shadow of the cross. It is uh, trying to explain what is going to happen. We, where we are, we can see the cross. We can see what is the reality of the cross. And it says in, in Ephesians uh, one verse, chapter 1, verse 4, that God made a plan even before the beginning of creation that he would send Jesus. So even in the Garden of Eden, he had a plan to save people. And the Passover with the blood on the door is a symbol of the cross. They are able to leave the, the Egyptian slavery. So they are brought from slavery into freedom. Again, this is what the cross does. And they come into a relationship with God. They then screw it up again. God knows this. But we, so we look at these passages through the cross. Let me try and I hope I'm making some sense. The cross still puts a shadow of what they, Jesus will do onto these passages. So when they consecrated themselves, that means that they were being brought back into a relationship with God and they were holy again. So when Achan sins, he's broken that. And that is why it's so, so uh, damaging, destructive. He has broken it because they are in the promised land. It's like that is their hope, that is our hope to come. Sin should not be in the, in the promised land. But Achan has deliberately disobeyed and broken God's covenant. Um, <clears throat> now that they've consecrated themselves, uh, that has kind of emphasized it. So, uh, Achan's sin, when we look at it, you think, oh, well, he, he just went there. Uh, he saw a few things that looked very nice and decided, spoils of war, I'll take those. But there's, a, there's an issue here of, of, if you like, discipline as well within the army. So if, if we see in, in wars these days, uh, if 
soldiers go in and they they do their job and they take all the, the possessions they you know they violate the the women they steal the things actually the the army the heads of those armies should discipline those soldiers that is wrong you see what god was seeing was that if that he let this carry on they would go and plunder everything and there would be nothing they would discipline would break down it was a really this was one of the things that was so severe what uh, Achan did was he saw with his eyes he saw these wonderful things the garments from Babylon and that turned into not just ah yeah that looks quite nice I can put that aside it becomes an idolatry he wants to make that his worship his worship becomes that of things material things and not God of course if you remember in the uh, the Ten Commandments uh, it, the first, one of the first things is it says make the Lord you, you know uh, honor the Lord your God love him with all your heart uh, do not steal and do not lie uh, and do not make uh, false idols so Achan's done about five of the of the Ten Commandments. He's broken those quite quickly. That is very uh, important. It opens the door for destruction. However, God is a God of kindness and a God of forgiveness. So we see in that in that passage that that. Achan gets many, many opportunities to repent. You know, God says, right, I'm going to check out the the tribe, which one it is. So he then has a chance then. Then it is the greater family. He still doesn't repent at that point. And then it's the more immediate family. He still doesn't say, it's me. He comes down to himself and he says, when he, there's absolutely no chance there's no choice it is clearly him he says yes uh, it, it was me but he's had time and time again the opportunity to repent and he's failed to take it God is a merciful God so don't read this passage as, as God not giving people that chance he gives him that opportunity time and time again to repent of his sin but he doesn't and that is why uh, in the end God has to destroy him completely because he is beyond he's hardened his heart then talked about his heart being hardened and it was something I was looking at last night I think it is very important that we I'm not just singling you out then but it says in Hebrews 3 around about verse 5 or so do not harden your heart as you did in the, in the desert. He's talking about the Israelites. We should not take our sin lightly. We can be grateful and joyful that we live in the cross. We are no longer in the shadow of the cross. We can see the reality of the cross. But we should still deal with our sin and we should still with it, deal with it drastically. We mustn't let it harden our hearts. 
let me just give you a, um, a little example. Uh, I, I, I went on a school trip years ago when I was around about uh, 15. And it was 1976. How many of you were alive in 1976? Yeah, a few of you. And it was a great summer. If you remember, it was really hot. It was, wasn't it? And I went there. uh, And we went to Scotland with this school trip. We went for two weeks. We went right up to uh, Ullapool, which is right up in the northwest corner. And it rained for two weeks. We, our van broke down in the school van, I think because it had been out in the, the rain so long. And we drove on the train back, and all we could see were barren, dry fields from Scotland all the way down to London. It was parched. But where I was, it was wet, boggy ground. And we were camping in a bog. There was no other choice, to be honest. That's what it was. And my, and my sleeping bag got wet. And I don't know how many of you, probably Ian, who's reasonable, uh, does a lot of camping. If you get your sleeping bag wet, it's a nightmare. It's like you're, you've got a cold radiator in your, around you. It's awful. Julia's got no idea what I'm talking about, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Neither has Pamela. Absolutely no idea. Okay, well, I was anticipating that you would have no idea. So I will give you an even worse illustration. It's uncomfortable, that, isn't it? Well, if those of you know, it's uncomfortable. How many of us who have children have had that experience where a little feet come along, they get into bed, and they say, my bed's wet. I think we've probably all done it or all had children who've done it. And you go to the bed and you find that they've had a little accident. They don't want to sleep in that environment. It's cold. It's wet. It's irritating. It's horrible. But what do children do? They don't just lie there, or at least our children never did. They don't, they don't get up and make the bed and sort of, oh, okay, I should just... They go to their, I would say their mother, because they never go to dad for these things. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but they go to their parents and say, Mummy, my bed's wet. And then the parents will go to the bed. Oh, you've had an accident. Let's clear it up so that you can have a nice, warm, and secure bed again. Sin is like living in that bed that you have soiled. It is awful. Do not lie in your own wetness. Clear it up. Clear it up. God wants you to be warm and secure in his presence and not living with that. So if there are sins that you repetitively do, deal with them, please. Please, please, please. It's a time when you should do it. Do not harden your heart against these things and say, it doesn't matter. It does. Clean it up. But do what our children used to do. Go and speak to your Father in heaven.
Speak to him and he will help you clear it up. Now, uh, I want to talk about how Satan attacks us as well. Um, the, 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 uh, I think it's the Amorites, isn't it? They have beaten the, uh, the, the Israelites. And because they have, the Israelites are now seen to be uh, vulnerable, having been uh, almost invincible before, because they, the rumors were and the stories were that they... The Israelites have crossed over in this huge and wonderful, miraculous things where the water has parted. They've then seen Jericho just by the work of God. The walls have fallen down. So all the people around were in fear of the Israelites. But now, because they have disobeyed God, they have lost. And so the the enemy think, aha, these people are vulnerable. These people are no longer invincible. We can attack them. And that's what Joshua is, is thinking. Satan does attack us and he has a plan. He will always t- take us, attack us from outside. So that may be from our circumstances, um, unemployment or um, our neighbors or people even in church. Things can be said that feel like a wound but Satan has, a, has a, a strategy. He works on a pincer movement. He works from attacking us from outside, but then he tries to work from attacking us using uh, inside. So we see in this passage, the, the Amorites are, if you like, representative of Satan, attacking the, uh, the Israelites from outside. But Achan has conspired with Satan because of what he's seen and his uh, idolatry of that has driven him into sin. So he's now working together with Satan to attack the people of God. Now I've got, this is my poor illustration. I was going to use scissors, but I'll use this. You see, if you deny the enemy a a foothold in your personal life, which is the only thing you can do, in other words, resist the devil when he tries to come at you, then he is only one part of the wrench, this part. And he can attack you, but he doesn't have such an effect. If, however, you sin and and you do not repent, then he has the ability to grip you. He's given you, he's, he's, you have given him the second part of that wrench and he will make it painful for us. And as a church, you know, we have to be careful because that's the story of this. It's not just about individuals t- doing things wrong and it affecting individuals. It, inf- it involves the whole of the army. It involves whole churches when there are certain things that are done and not repented of. So just try and remember these. Do not give 
Satan one of the parts of the wrench, it will make him powerless. He will still try, but you have to resist. Uh, I alluded to this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, uh, but we, we went through some difficult times, and I was certainly being attacked from, from outside. And when I used to come and pray about it, it was like a blackness in front of me. And I'm not a, one to uh, feel depressed or, or low. But it was a blackness in front of me. And uh, I, used to, I used to annoy my children and Leslie. But the way I overcame it was by saying, praise the Lord. I used to focus my mind not on feeling down, not on feeling discouraged, not on unbelief, but on him on Jesus, on what he has done for me and how wonderful he is. And that's how I got through it. I didn't give him the other part of the wrench to be able to really crank it down and damage me. I came through it and I don't have to say praise the Lord in, so, in, a, in that sort of way. I will do it every now and again, but I used to say it probably half a dozen times a day just to get a, away from the blackness that was crouching at my, in my face. <clears throat> let's, have a, let's go back to the, the positive side of this story. Remember Rahab. When she, she had put aside her idolatry, she had put aside her people and identified with God. And she put out that cord, as we remember, the the red cord, the hope. She exercised faith and she was saved. She was saved from destruction. But Achan does the opposite. He picks up the idolatry. He sees the robe and he... He worships that. He worships the material things that he could get his hands on. And he, and he just says, what God is going to give me, it doesn't really matter. I can do these things for myself. So we see here the contrast. God is not racist. He wants everyone to turn to him. He didn't just have the people of Israel in mind. He was very happy to save uh, Rahab, a prostitute, a Canaanite, uh, a worshipper of, of idols. He saved her. But he would not allow Achan to get away with his sin. So we see the mercy of God, I would say, in this passage. Let me make it clear. We go back to the cross. Do not be uh, fearful. If you are born again, do not be fearful that there is a judgment coming on you. It is not. It is now dealt with on the cross. The, the wrath of God came on Jesus. And that is the most wonderful thing. We are now free 
from that. So we are not, as I say, we are not living in the shadow of this sort of, it looks a bit like this. No, we can see clearly what the cross is, that all the judgment fell on Jesus and not on us. He lived the life that we should have lived and couldn't. And he took the penalty that we should have received. But he took it in our place. So we will not suffer judgment in when you are born again. We may be disciplined by our heavenly father and told you must stop sinning and you need to repent of these things. But, ju- but judgment will not come on us. So don't be afraid. You come to a God who is merciful. You come to the cross to speak to him and deal with your sin. But let's not be complacent about the awfulness of sin. Remember the, the wet bed. Or some of us might remember uh, the, the wet sleeping bag. But don't lie in your mess. Deal with it. Okay, I haven't got time to do my second part, so Peter will have to do that next week. (laughs) But we agreed that already. Let me just, I'm not going to read the scripture to finish, but I want to read you something from C.S. Lewis. Because in the end, what this is about is understanding who Jesus is what he is like and for us to convey that to others is what we should do in our evangelism in our witness to others it's a well known passage from uh, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe and it says Aslan is a lion the lion the great lion oh says Susan I thought he was a man is he quite safe I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? Says Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Because he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So shall we just stand? Do you want to just worship? I don't know where Ali is at the back. Steve? Yes, Lord. You are not safe, Lord, but you are good. You are a God who wants to move us on, take us away from our our sin. And you want us to form us into an army that takes the promised land, that takes land and sees people saved for you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will speak to us. Lord, that we will come to the cross and we will always just be mesmerized and in awe of the joy that the cross brings, the freedom that it brings, the new identity it brings, that we are children of God and the hope that it brings of eternal life. So, Father, we just pray, come and touch us, Lord. Lord, move us on, Lord. Convict us of sin, Lord. Don't let us stay 
in our beds. But Lord, we come knowing that you will forgive us, Lord, because we live looking at the cross. And we rejoice in that, Lord. So Father, I pray, help us this morning, Lord, to walk in freedom and know your name and rejoice in it, Lord. Amen.